And now for the moment you've all been waiting for, the official first episode of the Marks Podcast. The fucking Marks. All right, we are the fucking Marks. Um, ja Rule. And I'm Rob, but you can call me Bobby the Brainless. So let's get this thing started. Uh, so Jay, this past Tuesday on SmackDown, they had a draft. The format that they had to it, uh, I guess I kind of understand it, where they they had Raw always pick first and have three picks versus SmackDown having two picks and SmackDown always picked second. I guess I understand it from a logistics standpoint of like, all right, well, what would happen if SmackDown picked first, like in the second round, let's say, and then Raw would end up with like two picks in a row and it would just kind of make it difficult and hard to understand. So I guess I understand that they did that, but it really kind of stacked the deck against SmackDown a little bit. I agree with that. And also I like to point out that the reason that they did the three picks for Raw for each round and the two picks for SmackDown is because Raw is the drawn-out three-hour show and SmackDown is still going to stay at two hours. Hopefully, and I hope people in the WWE Universe hear this, hopefully SmackDown stays two hours long because that's the problem that is affecting Monday Night Raw is the fact that it's three hours long, and it's not like they're putting all these extra matches on there. They're just doing these extra long segments at the beginning of the show. Because what's better? Having John Cena come out there, pounding his chest like the prototypical meathead that he is, talking about how good he is and how hustle, loyalty, and respect, and you want some, come get some, you know, stuff like that. Or do you want to just have like a five or ten minute promo at the beginning of a show and maybe have like an additional match where you could see guys that you wouldn't typically see? You know, they say they gave Raw the extra draft pick because they have an extra hour. It's like, if they're just going to waste time, I mean, I hope, I hope this is a signal that they're going to go forward and not kind of draw things out so much. I hope that this is a signal that they're now going to, like, hey, we've got extra superstars. We really need to put them out there, get people to know their character, and really go forward and showcase them as the athletes that they are, as opposed to just kind of what they have going now, which is boring 20-minute first segment leading into... Uh, you know, what ends up being a six-man tag team match for the main event. Just be thankful that Teddy Long is not general manager of either one of the shows because there's going to be one of two matches if Teddy Long is there. There's either going to be a tag team match or somebody's going one-on-one with The Undertaker. With with that all, all that said, what were your overall thoughts as far as, like, do you think Raw did better? Do you think SmackDown did better? Uh, for me personally, I think that both shows did very well. I liked a lot of the picks that both shows took. I am extremely happy to see Dean Ambrose being the face of Tuesday Night SmackDown Live. He is the WWE Champion. Obviously, with tomorrow being Battlegrounds pay-per-view where he has to defend the title 
against Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, who, by the way, is coming back from a 30-day suspension from failing a drug test. But that's neither here nor there. I, I love the Dean Ambrose pick for SmackDown. They have a lot of really good picks. They have the, the veterans, the guys who have been there a long time, like the John Cena's and the Randy Orton's, and even guys like the Miz. But they do have some guys out there that, you know, are kind of new to the WWE, like an AJ Styles, a guy like a Bray Wyatt who's been around for a few years, but he's still kind of fresh and new, comparatively speaking to, like, John Cena and Randy Orton. Uh, I do enjoy the – I did enjoy the Seth Rollins pick for Monday Night Raw. The fact that he was the first overall pick was a Well, very I good think pick. that feeds into, like, the story of, like, Rollins has always been the, the pick of the authority, right. you know, for the last few years. Stephanie McMahon being the commi- – the, not commissioner, the uh, G – No, she's the commissioner. Commissioner of Raw. That feeds into her picking him first. That's that been their pick, and also with the uh, the Monday Night Raw draft selections that they made, I love this. Like I said, I love the Seth Rollins pick. Um, them drafting Brock Lesnar. I mean, who wouldn't want Brock Lesnar on their show? Right. I I love the the New Day. They're one of my favorite tag teams in the WWE. I love the Enzo and Big Cass pick. Rusev, another solid pick for them. Even a guy like Chris Jericho, who's been around since 1999 who still in my heart is one of my favorite wrestlers to see go out there. I I love what both shows did. I think they did a very good job with the draft and putting the guys where they had to put them for each show. So my question to you, Jay, is, is there any picks out there that you really liked? The picks that, like, kind of, I don't know if I'll say like, but, like, stood out for me. Like, I like the Jericho pick, but with Jericho you know that he's not going to be around for a super long time, but he's great in the ring, great on the mic, and he lives whatever character he decides that he's going to do. I was a little surprised that AJ Styles went quite as high as he did, but he's a great in-ring performer, and I think more of my surprise was, like, he's a newer guy for WWE, and he went so high another surprise was like finn balor you know coming up from nxt and he's famous around the world he is not i would say he's probably not well known to most of the wwe universe at this point but like a guy like finn balor i think he's got a crazy upside and i i can't wait to see him on on the raw roster i agree with you on the finn balor topic there um, is there any like surprises for you in this draft? Is there anybody that you thought should have been drafted higher that didn't? Or is there a guy that got drafted higher that you were like, huh, maybe I could have seen him going a little bit later in the draft? Well, honestly, like the, the most of the surprises for me were the the tag teams that they had or, or the, the different factions that they had. I was a bit surprised that they – split up the club the club has not been around that long and you know their whole beat up john cena thing i think was like it's obviously been a a a fun little topic on social media but i I think they could have kept with them a little bit longer but we'll see i guess how it kind of 
how the cards fall with that. Uh, I was very surprised that they split up the Wyatt family because they have the thing going right now with the New Day where, I mean, it seems kind of like it's a blood feud and all of a sudden they split them up. But, you know, the rumors going around are that they split them up because of uh, petty reasons that uh, allegedly Vince McMahon did not like the fact that Bray had a, a Twitter war with Matt Hardy over the, you know, segment that they had last week against New Day. It's like, yeah, even if the CEO doesn't like that, it's like, these guys are, they've got something going. Don't mess it up by being petty. You know, these guys could make Vince McMahon money, and he's kind of, I think, throwing money out by splitting them up. Um, and also, uh, I was kind of surprised they kept Dudley boys together. W- when they were in TNA, I was a fan when they split them up and had Bubba Ray, who was called Bully Ray back then. Bully Ray was an awesome character, and I think, like, Bully Ray was one of the better characters, better talkers that's been in the industry probably in the last five or ten years and they kept them together and to an extent i understand but i almost for me thought that they could have and should have broken them up i'd like to add on to that uh number one i'm a huge fan of the dudley boys the dudley boys for me are my favorite tag team of all time bubba ray is my spirit animal and I love the fact that him and Devon are still together. That was the one thing about this draft that really made me happy is that they didn't split up the Dudley boys. Because it would have been the same thing. It's like, all right, you're going to split up the Dudley boys? So what would have happened if they did this stuff back in the day and they split up Axe and Smash or Demolition? Or if they split up Hawk and Animal from the Legion of Doom? You know, it, they've done stuff like that in the past with, you know, splitting up guys. In well, from... they did that with the Dudley boys back in the day, and it didn't work out. Right. But different time, and and, and my thought was like, hey, give it a shot. You never know what's going to happen. Right. But... I mean, it, it did work out for certain situations, like the most infamous, the most infamous tag team split in the history of professional wrestling, in my opinion at least, and probably a lot of people's, is when Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty split as the Rockers. They were a fantastic tag team that worked together. They were really good friends. And then an infamous night in the 90s when Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty were both on the The barber barber shop shop. with Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Shawn Michaels super kicked Marty Jannetty and threw him through the barber shop window, which to me is one of the greatest moments in wrestling history. Well, the moment was awesome and Bobby and made it better i i understand keeping them together but i i think it would have been interesting to see where they took whatever character i would have not that i would have loved seeing a sanitized version of bully ray but bully ray and tna was freaking awesome i agree with that i'm gonna kind of extend on that because they there was talk before the draft that they were going to split up some teams some factions um callisto and sincara announced before the draft that they were going to be one of the teams that was going to be split up. Obviously, my heart doesn't weep over the fact that those two got split up. They, they, they were a fun tag team to watch, but 
I didn't have any connection to them, really. But I do like Callisto. I think he's a very talented superstar. I think he's got incredible superstar. upside. Yes. I think he's got incredible upside. He's going to be a guy that now that they're going to be bringing back the cruiserweight division, I think that Callisto is going to be one of those guys that's going to be in the forefront of the cruiserweight division. I can see him winning multiple cruiserweight championships in the future. I could see him even winning the United States championship again. And even as much as go up to like the intercontinental championship. Now, do you think he's going to be a next generation version of Rey Mysterio? I can see that he's a little bit smaller than Rey Mysterio, but the fact that they are bringing back the cruiserweight division is a great idea. When I found out that they were going to be doing this, I was extremely excited about it. The cruiserweight division back in WCW was one of my favorite things to watch about WCW. You know, back in the day when WCW was around and kicking in the mid to late 90s, is that the cruiserweight division was better than the regular roster. Because the cruiserweight division back in that time, there was Chris Jericho, there was Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio, Juventud Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero. All these guys were fantastic superstars in their own right. And it was the most exciting part about WCW was the Cruiserweight division because they put they on They were such dedicated, a, too. And they, were, they put on great matches. Because, I, I mean, back then, like with WCW, I mean, you had the Hogans, you had the Halls, you had the Nash, you had the Sting, you had the Flair, you had the Luger, you had all those guys. Woo! But those guys had been in the game so long, and, it, you know, they, they were there to kind of get the paycheck, so to speak. So, you, you know, I, I think a guy like uh, Kalisto, like, he could really benefit from the brand split. He has an exciting style, and I think between he and Sin Cara, too, has more upside just because... He's flashier in the ring and just a lot of fun to watch. One thing I'd like to bring up about the draft, if we're going to talk about the draft picks, is I would like to bring up the fact that Charlotte got drafted a hell of a lot sooner than I thought she was going to. She was number three pick overall. I mean, I guess that really shows you, like, finally WWE is putting the women's division a little bit more forefront, and I think it's long overdue. I looked at the Charlotte pick at third overall, and I'm going to try to explain this to the marks out there that's going to listen to this podcast. The best way that I can describe it was back in the 2003 NBA draft, which was the LeBron James draft where he was drafted first overall. I compare Charlotte getting drafted second over, or third overall in the WWE draft to Darko Milicic getting drafted second overall when guys like Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and Carmelo Anthony were all still on the board. All those guys that I just named are going to be in the NBA Hall of Fame, and Darko Milicic kind of didn't pan out, and now he's playing overseas or he's flipping burgers at a McDonald's somewhere. I don't even know. Really, I don't care because I'm a Magic fan and we traded for him. So I'm hoping that he's like bagging groceries or flipping burgers anyway. But Charlotte being drafted that high was, to me, the biggest surprise of the draft. I love, like I said, I love the AJ Styles pick. 
You said that you thought he got drafted a little soon just because he hasn't been there long enough. I thought that he got drafted around where he should have been drafted. Just personally, I've been a huge AJ Styles fan for a long time. He was the only reason I watched TNA. He was really the only reason that it was worth watching. Um, that and the very attractive women that they had in TNA, like the Velvet Skies. and For, for me, the, having Charlotte drafted so high, it, it really told me that Raw was going to have women's wrestling as a, a forefront to what they were doing, what they were trying to achieve. And I've seen a lot of women's matches as long as the women's division is treated with respect they get as over as the men do it's similar to if you're watching ufc you get somebody like ronda rousey she is uh probably the top drawing you know person on pay-per-view in the world and it's because that division is treated with respect and people watch those fights and they're like holy crap yeah they don't hit as hard they don't move as fast as the men do but when you see somebody who is dominant or you see somebody who you're like holy crap it just draws you in so i understand them putting an emphasis on the women's division because that can draw money but they need to continue with featuring the women and making it feel like they are serious athletes that you don't want to mess with. Let me ask you this question about Charlotte and the women's champion being drafted third overall. Do you think that with the fact that she is who she is was the main reason why she got drafted as high as she did? Or do you think it's because she was the women's champion? Whereas let's say somebody like Sasha Banks or Natty, or Becky Lynch was the women's champion, do you think they would be drafted as high? Or do you think it's the fact that Charlotte is the daughter of the Nature Boy, the 16-time world heavyweight champion, the limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, son of a gum that he is? Woo! Uh, I, uh, her being Nature Boy's daughter helped. I think a lot of it had to do with her being the champion. Now, Sasha was not drafted that far behind her. I mean, it was, yeah, it's like 10 picks, but it's only a couple of rounds later that she was actually selected. So if Sasha had the title, she would have been selected higher than she was. I, I think there were a lot of factors going into that. I think Sasha is the future of division. Uh, right now, Charlotte is, she's very solid in her role. The fact that she's broken away from her father is good because, like, you know, they had Ric Flair out there to help bring her up another notch or two, and I think it did, and I think they kind of cut bait with that when they wanted to, when they needed to, to make the women's division it, it propped up the women's division and i think it really kind of put them on the map a little bit and now they could go forward without needing that crutch so now they've got charlotte 
They've got Sasha. They're heading, I think, towards uh, a high-profile match at SummerSlam, and I can't wait to see that because I know both of those women can bring it, and I, I honestly think match of the night SummerSlam is going to be Sasha and Charlotte. I think that they are the two most talented women in the women's division. I think it's going to be a fantastic match. Depending on how the rest of the card looks, because if it's John Cena versus AJ Styles, I think that match has the possibility of being the best match of the night. Also, depending on who is the champion after tomorrow night's battleground, I also think that that has a potential to be the best match of the night, especially if it's somebody like Dean Ambrose. SummerSlam is going to be freaking stacked, and there's going to be a lot of good, good matches. And the matches are going to have stories going into them, whether it's the Sasha match, whether Ambrose wins tomorrow, he he's going to probably end up against Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins for the title. It's Or if Seth Rollins wins, it's going to be a rematch against Dean Ambrose. I think there's zero possibility of Roman Reigns actually winning the match. So we're... We'll see where that goes, and I, I, I almost kind of wonder where Roman is going to end up on the card and who the heck he's going to face. But Since you brought up Roman Reigns, I think this is the perfect segue to go to my next question. Were you surprised that Roman Reigns got drafted where he was drafted? Um, I think I was surprised to an extent, that, but not too much. I mean... Obviously, the company's kind of behind him. Uh, I don't know how far they're behind him anymore. But you know what? I have respect for Reigns because he is okay in the ring. If nothing else, he gets a reaction. It's kind of the John Cena reaction of people love him or hate him lately. It seems like they mostly hate him. That's because... I think there's been a lot of audience blowback because of how WWE has handled this. Um, Reigns, I don't think he's... When he has to memorize a script, he's a terrible promo. He's good in the ring. He could be better at promos. I mean, a couple years ago, I saw him at SummerSlam when they did some panel. If Roman Reigns is allowed to be himself instead of memorizing a script, he'll be a lot better. I think the problem with Roman Reigns is that his drug test that he failed just came at the wrong time. I think that Roman Reigns would have been a top three pick if he had not gotten in trouble with the drugs. Well, what about uh, Brock Lesnar? You know, there's rumors about that, too. There's not really too many rumors about Brock Lesnar because with him fighting at UFC and failing two drug tests, not just one, but two drug tests, is really bad. It's going to be interesting to see how the WWE handles it. I think that Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns kind of dropped like Laramie Tunzel did in the NFL draft. If you all don't know who Laramie Tunzel is, he was the offensive tackle from the University of Mississippi or Ole Miss, as you, if you like to refer to them as who the night before the draft, or the night of the draft, there was a picture of him with a gas mask bong, and he was projected to be one of the top five picks in the draft. They were saying as high as third, but fell out of the top ten because of the fact that the picture of him kind of just came out there. So I think it's the best example to use with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. 
to me, like I've been saying for the longest time, if I would have had the first overall pick, I would have taken Brock Lesnar. Obviously, he dropped to eighth in the draft because of the fact that after his fight with Mike Hunt or Mark Hunt, whatever his name Mark. is, Mark Hunt, I'm sorry, Mark Hunt in UFC, that he failed a drug test, that he kind of dropped in the draft. That's probably the best example of it. Same no, thing with indeed, Roman Reigns. I think uh, part of the he's not on every Monday Night Raw. He's not on every pay per view. Do you think that played into that too? Absolutely not. I think that Brock Lesnar is that polarizing of a figure. The fact that Brock Lesnar is that big of a draw, I would have taken him, even though he shows up 20-something times a year. I'm a huge Brock Lesnar fan. I would mark out if I ever met Brock Lesnar. I don't know what I would do. I would definitely want my picture taken with him. Would, Anything would you else. take an F5? Oh, Absolutely. And we'll get into that in the later on podcast of where I would go and how far I would go with the, with being hit with finishers and everything. Um, in the future, you're going to hear about me and my my story with King Kong Bundy, but we're gonna we'll get to that in a later time. Yeah, this is mainly just about the draft. I want to talk about the draft, the draft selections. I want to talk about that stuff in this one, kind of like a good way to segue for our first podcast. So. As far as that goes, were, were were there any draft picks where you're like, what the hell? Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin? Baron Corbin really sticks out to me. I didn't think he was that great of a superstar in NXT when I watched it. He just kind of like came on the scene at WrestleMania and won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. That really upsets me because of the fact that You'll, you'll come to find out over over the course of this podcast how my feelings towards Andre the Giant are. Andre the Giant is one of those superstars that's always going to have a special place in my heart. I loved him as a superstar. He is, superstar? He is one of the components of the greatest moment in professional wrestling history, in my opinion. I actually have his action figure with me right now. Don't do that with him. <laughs> and... The fact that Baron Corbin actually won that battle royal really upset me. When Cesaro won it two years ago, I was happy for Cesaro. I love Cesaro. Very good superstar. Very yeah, they, gifted, they ruined that. Very gifted superstar. They did ruin that. When the Big Show won it last year at WrestleMania 31, I don't think I've ever been happier for a human being on this planet than I was for the Big Show when he won that. Just because I know for a fact that it meant more to him than any other superstar that could have been in that. But Baron Corbin, really? Really? See, see for me, for, for Corbin, I think there's a big upside with him. I mean, you're talking with about a guy, I, I would consider him almost like a cross between a guy like Wade Barrett and Goldberg. And it's because Wade Barrett, bare knuckles fighter, Baron Corbin is a guy who won Golden Gloves a couple of times and just a legit tough guy, legit badass, who played football professionally for a couple of years, and that's where kind of the Goldberg thing is. He doesn't have the intensity of Goldberg, but you're talking about a guy who has more or less made it to the top of two other sports. He is a tremendous athlete who I think has some upside. 
I think he needs to work on his being better on the mic. But, I mean, the whole lone wolf persona, I think is interesting. Maybe he was drafted a little high. But, again, I think there is a chance there, as long as they don't mess it up like they messed up Wade Barrett, he could be something. But we'll we'll see what they do. There's a couple of guys that were drafted after Baron Corbin that really bothered me that they drafted Baron Corbin when they did. A couple of guys that really stick out to me was the tag team that was drafted right after him at pick 20, which was Enzo Amore and Big Cass. Huge fan of both of them. I also thought that Cesaro should have been drafted ahead of him just because Cesaro's been around. He's more established, and I think he's more talented than Baron Corbin. Also, a guy that sticks out to me is Sheamus, who is one of my favorite wrestlers right now. You know, I'm I'm part Irish, so you got you got to understand that I love those Irish guys. <laughs> you know, I love the fact that Sheamus can probably drink everybody on the roster under the table. Do you think he could drink Becky Lynch under the table? It'd be an interesting s- situation to have occur if him, Becky Lynch, and maybe somebody like Finn Balor, all three Irish. Who would out drink? Who I I would still take my money on Sheamus because he's a bigger dude, so he's got to have a higher tolerance. All right. So what do you want them to drink? Do you want them to drink car bombs? Do you want them to drink uh, black and tans? What do they got? Smittix and Guinness. Oh, it, Sheamus has proven to a lot of people just from what he's done. Like he's posted pictures on Twitter of him drinking Guinness. I really think that Sheamus could out drink both of them, but that's neither here nor there. All right. Um, with with Baron Corbin. I just think there was just too many guys that were out there that should have been drafted ahead of him. Like I said, Enzo I think Corbin's cast. a guy, like, potential's there, but there are people who are probably more established where you're, like, going, you kidding me? You kidding me? Like, there's a guy like Dolph Ziggler, very established. Yeah, he's kind of been in the crapper for the last year or two. I love the dude. I hope now with the brand split he's given a little bit more of an opportunity but i mean i love the guy and i kind of don't care anymore because every time i get my hopes up that they don't do anything with him he's the new version of shelton benjamin extremely talented in the ring and every time it seems like all right we're gonna push this guy oh wait stop let me ask you a question about dolph ziggler since you brought him up do you think that Dolph Ziggler would be better off if he didn't become a knockoff of Shawn Michaels? You know, the thing is, with with Dolph, I think, like, he's not a complete knockoff of Shawn Michaels. I I see, like, seven or eight different people in him. I'll, I'll name a, a few. Like, I see a little bit of badass Billy Gunn. I see Mr. Perfect in him. Uh... Obviously, I see Shawn Michaels in him. Uh, there's a few other ones. My brain's failing re- me right now with, with the, the other folks that he reminds me of. But, like, he's all of those, but then he adds his own thing into it. I hate that, like, you know, you see the super kick. You see how awesome he is with his in-ring product. And it seems like every time... They have an opportunity. They either ruin it or, unfortunately for him, bad-timed injury. Is there anybody else in this draft that you were surprised by where they were drafted? 
Well, I mean, quite quite frankly, I, w- I was surprised that Nia Jax w- was drafted. Again, a, a person with upside, but very green in the business. I, I thought that Bailey from NXT was going to get drafted. Nia Jax has the size. She is a monster heel. And, and this is a weird thing for me uh, with, with my background. But she's supposed to be a monster heel. And the graphic they showed of her on the Titantron is the monster heel smiling. Big smile. Why? It's against the character. And is she going as a face when she's now on on the show? You know, I just don't get it. I mean, I think she's supposed to be kind of a... Uh, like like the character uh, Karma from a few years back that uh, never quite took off in WWE. I think she's kind of a new generation version of that, and I she's improved immensely in just a few months. I'd like to see where she goes, but I think I, you know a woman like Bailey who's really put in the time and has a big following in NXT and I think would do well on the main roster. We'll see where it goes cuz I think Bailey we might see her see her sooner than we think. Let me ask you this. Like I asked with the Charlotte pick at number 3, do you think Nia Jax got the selection where she got selected to the main roster because of who her family is or do you think it's because of the fact that she's talented and they have a lot of faith in her? Well, one thing is, they don't, with Charlotte, they really put forward who her father is, who her family is. With Nia Jax, they don't really do that. She's Samoan, uh, and her cousin is The Rock. Apparently, everybody who's from Samoa is cousins with each other. But with, with Nia Jax... Except for Samoa Joe. Right. He, he knows nobody else from the island. So, but Nia Jax, uh, they haven't really put that as part of her character, part of her her thing. So I don't, I don't think that had a big component in her getting drafted where she was. I think they just wanted to possibly do something a little different, where you know you have a bunch of very athletic, very gifted women who are talented in the ring who tell a good story and have very good characters, it's just... Now you got this beast. Naya is this beast who looks different, who is different, who, again, improvingly leaps and bounds, but not as good as some of the other people. I agree with that. I think that's a very good assessment of that because they don't really beat into everybody about how she is related to all the people that she's related to because she's related to The Rock, which means she's related to this guy and that guy and every other human being on the island of Samoa that's not Samoa Joe. Right. I think the steal of the draft for me was the American Alpha Tag Team. They are have been killing it on NXT, and they so deserve to be up on the main roster. I'm glad they're on SmackDown because they're not going to get lost on the shuffle on Raw. You know, it's you got SmackDown, which Daniel Bryan is 
you know, the guy that's going to be in charge of day-to-day operations. He's a wrestling dude. They're trying to do something new, something different. And I think American Alpha, their potential is to the moon. And the years will be kind to them and is going to show that this may be the best pick. Add on to that. I thought of all the people who got drafted from NXT because they did draft. They made six selections from NXT and it turned out to be seven people because they added groups and tag teams as one like one pick. I loved the American Alpha pick. It was my favorite pick of all of the picks that came from NXT. I think that Chad Gable and Jason Jason, Jason Jordan. Jordan are going to be an exceptional tag team. I think that the sky is the limit for both of them. I love Jason Jordan. I think he's got a little bit more upside than Chad Gable. It's not that I'm disrespecting Chad Gable as an in-ring competitor. I think that he's also a very good in-ring competitor, but I think that the sky is the limit for Jason Jordan. I think now, with the them, rumors going around are like at some point Kurt Angle is coming back to the company. Do you think that he should be part of them coming up? Yes, I agree with that. I think that he would be a very good addition to their team. Do you want him to be a manager or do you want him to be a head of a faction? As a mark, I would love to see Kurt Angle wrestle just because I would love to see him fight Brock Lesnar one more time and have him fight John Cena again. But as a... Now, would you want him as a special attraction where he's a manager, but he wrestles on occasion? Or do you want him, like, he's the head of the faction and he wrestles, let's say, on SmackDown, you know, every few weeks? Or Any Kurt Angle is better than no Kurt Angle is the best way I could put it. Whether he's a manager, whether he's the head of the faction, even if he wrestles like once or twice a year, I think that any Kurt Angle is better than no Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was one of my favorite wrestlers when he was back in the WWE. I was very devastated when he got released from his contract and went to TNA. Obviously, I understand what the circumstances that occurred when he left the WWE, but the fact that he left really, it upset me. I loved Kurt Angle. He's a very good in-ring competitor. He's even better on the microphone, considering that he's only a amateur wrestler who's got a couple of Olympic gold medals, so him cutting a promo wasn't a big deal for him as a amateur wrestler with that background. So the fact that he really did evolve as a guy on the microphone speaks volumes of him. Well, and dude's a machine, and I think having a guy like him be a mouthpiece or or something would help get those two over. I mean, there's only so much being an awesome in-ring performer will do for you. I mean, honestly, look at Dolph Ziggler. Again, a guy who I actually think is pretty good on the microphone, but has not been kind of given the time that he should be to really, like, put his character forward. I mean, his character has evolved. I mean, you got Dolph Ziggler who started out, who he shook everybody's hand and said, hey, I'm Dolph Ziggler. His character has evolved a lot since then and it's been you know good and kind of moved forward but you know sometimes you just need that extra little push and I think a guy like Kurt Angle would be that extra push that I think would take American Alpha to the next level so I, I'd 
love to see Kurt Angle on my TV in the next couple weeks. There's a couple other people that got drafted on Tuesday that I want to bring up, and that's Alexa Bliss and Carmella. I could, uh, I easy could, on the eyes. I could, I could say that if there was a tournament in professional wrestling over who the hottest women in professional wrestling, especially for the WWE right now, I think that the last two standing going head to head would be Carmella versus Alexa Bliss. In in my eyes, at least, I think that they're two of the most beautiful women that have ever stepped inside a WWE ring that are not Trish Stratus or Maria or even Candace Michelle, but they, I mean, they're, they're, two very beautiful women who are very talented in the ring. And if I had the opportunity, we're not going to get into this. this is, <laughs> we're just going to we're just, just going to stop. stop right just, there. Ju- just stop. Because I'm going to have to uh, step out for some air, and I really don't want to step out right now. Both those women, super talented, and their looks don't hurt them. I have no problem with either of them being on the roster. You know who I have a problem with being on the main roster is Eva Marie. Like, she... She looks the part, and I know that she's been working really hard lately to be better in the ring, and, and that's awesome. I'm glad that she's trying to be better in the ring, but she really hasn't improved, and there's so many people in the audience, at least NXT-wise, that, like, crap all over anytime she's in the ring. You know, sometimes people just don't have it. You know, you hear stories about the referee after she wins a match has to look over to her and tell her, hey, smile, you just won. I'm going to raise your hand. How don't you know that? Your character is supposed to be this arrogant, really good looking girl, but yet you need to have somebody tell you, hey, you just won. Smile. I think somebody like her. I, I don't understand the draft. I think Alexa Bliss, you know, perfectly good and, and hard worker who I think is great and can get over. Carmella, good. You could tell, you could see the improvement with her. No problem with that. I just don't get Ava Marie because despite the hard work, she has not improved significantly. She doesn't understand how to actually perform and the fact that people hate her I I guess that the fact that people hate her is the only reason I see her actually on the main roster funny story about Eva Marie that you brought her up is um, back in I think it was either June of 2012 or June of 2013 I always get my years mixed up but Back when I was still living in Connecticut, I went to the XL Center for a Monday Night Raw. And one of the promotions that they had was it was her and JoJo meeting the fans before Monday Night Raw outside where the people were getting their tickets and everything. Were they hanging out with Bob Backlund? They were not hanging out with Bob Backlund, but they were signing the autographs. And that was the first time I ever saw Eva Marie... And to be perfectly honest, when I saw her, my jaw dropped to the point where I actually left a giant chunk 
out of the ground where Did you drool? I might have drooled a little bit, but I definitely dropped my jaw to the bathroom point. after. That's not for the listeners to okay. actually listen all right, to. All right, all right, all right. But we'll, we'll I did see her. She it. is she is definitely a very attractive woman. Not really that great in the ring. She has to improve on that. And she's really not that good in the mic. But she is a very attractive woman. Do you think that Carmella got called up because of who she's in a relationship with? I don't think so. She got called up on a different brand. Carmella, I, I think, again, she's a woman who has worked hard. Uh, she started off as being like a valet and a manager. And and who was she a valet and a manager for? Enzo and Big Cass. And, you know, she got called up on a different brand. And I think with Carmella, she is, she's got a lot of upside because she could talk on the mic. She looks good and she has improved immensely in the ring and the short time they've actually had her in the ring so i understand why she was drafted it's one of those late round picks that you're like you know what why don't we take a chance she was miss irrelevant she was the last pick in the draft and i personally think that because she's dating big cass who happens to be Seven, Seven feet, feet tall, tall, and you can't teach that. I honestly feel like she should have been drafted to the same show as Enzo and Big Cass. I think she should have been brought back with them because it worked so well. Not to take away her in-ring ability, because I do watch NXT. I do watch her in the ring, and I think she's very good in the ring. And for her to get called up means the world to her. Because it proves it's her chance to prove to everyone that she can be one of the top notch. She's not just a pretty face. Oh no, she's very, very talented in the ring, and she's gotten better over over the time that she's been when she was with Enzo and Big Cast, and when she had to just do her own thing down there. And the same thing with Alexa Bliss when she had to break up from the group that she was with. For the life of me, I can't even think of their name right now. Uh something in murphy blake and murphy. blake and murphy and they're both very talented i've seen them both fight in nxt against each other they both had a very good match alexa bliss did get the better of carmella in that match i like them both i think they're both going to be very good additions to the women's division for wwe so i think that both of them being up really is a good thing what one of my favorite parts of the draft was watching on the wwe network they had like a, a live draft special and honestly for me i think there are a couple of segments you really need to go out of your way to see chris jericho was freaking hilarious talking about how he was ticked off that he was picked when he was and that there were other people that were not as great as he was picked ahead of him can I just say one thing about Chris Jericho? If I was Vince McMahon, all I would ever do with Chris Jericho is hand him a microphone. He would never have to wrestle again as long as he lives. And for me to say that is kind of a stretch because of the fact that Chris Jericho is one of my favorite in-ring performers. He, he still is, brings it all the oh, time. Yeah. And considering the fact that he's in his mid-40s, 
he's still one of the better superstars in the ring. Thanks, DDP Yoga. And I will say this. Chris Jericho, cutting the promo that he did after he got drafted, was the smartest thing that WWE did in regards to the draft. I love his scarf. I, I, I love his scarf. It's not the jacket. I miss the jacket, RIP. But he's just a, such a... He evolves. Unique, oh, yeah, he evolved. He's a unique individual. This might be his best run since the run he had in, like, 2008, 2009 with Shawn Michaels where he was wearing suits and was just a complete badass. My favorite Chris Jericho was when he was coming out around that same time where he looked like he sucked on a lemon before he would come out to the ring or cut a promo or anything. And he would have that that pooty, pouty face on his on his face and... Well, and that's what he came out with on the network special, the draft special. He like I legitimately he looked like he sucked on a lemon before he got on the in front of the camera. When he did his thing with Bob Barker, it was it was always one of those things that I always <laughs> think of because he just looked like he didn't want to be there. And if you asked him, you know, off camera, what it was it like to work with Bob Barker? I'm pretty sure he loved it. But the fact that Chris Jericho was in character, and he's always been that type of a guy. He lives that, it. He lives it. He's the one guy that when he goes into the Hall of Fame, I want to be there when he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame because his Hall of Fame speech is going to be unbelievable. And I love Chris Jericho. When I was younger, I never liked Chris Jericho because I thought he was just this pompous asshole. I thought he was better than everybody. But well, over time, was. oh, of course he Best was. Best in the world at what he does. But over time, I've grown to respect Chris Jericho. And kind of like I said with Kurt Angle, any Chris Jericho is better than no Chris Jericho. And what he did for his segment on the draft special was just gold. The fact that he has never won an Emmy just blows my mind. Well, speaking of the draft special, what about Kevin Owens? He was... Again, another part of the draft special you really need to go out of your way to go see. Kevin Owens was freaking gold. Freaking gold. Kevin Owens is one of those guys that I really like that just has come onto the scene over the last year or so. He really plays WWE scene. Right. He's really just established himself as one of the guys that could is definitely part of the future of the WWE. I see WWE championships in his future. I could see him being a first ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot ballot. What the hell's that? We'll get into that at another time, but Kevin Owens is definitely a very talented individual. He is one of the best in the great company in right the now. ring. He's great in the ring. Great on the mic. Great on the mic. And for a guy his size, he is just unbelievable. He's one of the few fat guys in WWE. Because he looks like a guy that goes home. Downs like an 18-pack of beer and every eats single like night. three bags of Doritos. And he's three bags of Doritos. And he goes out there and do does the... Do you think he eats Cool Ranch? Cool Ranch or do you think regular? I really don't know what type of Doritos that he likes. I'm going with Cool Ranch. I, if, if I had to guess, just because Cool Ranch Doritos are the greatest Doritos <laughs> of all the Doritos. Snap but, into it. Oh, wait. No, that's a, that's, a slim gym, that's a Slim Jim reference right Sorry. there. You should be. <laughs> but I, I do like Kevin Owens. What he did at the draft special was, was really good. It really just, like, 
separated himself from everybody else that was drafted that day. I think he's extremely talented. I love what his future is going to hold. I think he's going to be one of the top stars in the WWE. I don't think he, uh, a guy like him is going to have to seek for his opportunity. I think opportunity is going to come for him because the dude knows how to work, whether it's heel or face. I think he's better as a heel. He he lives it, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on camera. He just lives it all the time. He's really a throwback as far as that goes. But as far as uh, the draft special, the thing that really surprised me most was kind of like the shoot interview that Cesaro did. He called out WWE in general. It wasn't just Stephanie McMahon. It wasn't just the interviewer, JoJo, asking him about like the show. He was calling out WWE, like putting the, you know, the commissioners and the GMs ahead of what the in-ring performers do. Cesaro is a dude fluent in five languages, and he goes out there and he could speak all those languages, but he, in the ring is there aren't many people that can compete with him in the ring and his whole promo that he had was talking about being offended that he's talking has to talk about McFoley and Stephanie McMahon over what he does in the ring and what other people do in the ring he would rather be in SmackDown than be on Raw because SmackDown's supposed to be the wrestling show, the show that the guys really do their thing on. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to do my thing, and people will get me behind me, and hopefully people will notice. I think Cesaro deserves a shot, and he may stumble on occasion when he goes out there and cuts a promo. I think the Cesaro we saw on that interview is the Cesaro that we should see week after week, and, and they should give him a mic and let him voice his displeasure and let the Jason Statham in him come out. You know, as as he's not one of the more talented people on the microphone, at least he's not Mike Adamley. Mike Adamley might have been the worst person when it comes to talking on the microphone. Every time Mike Adamley... was hired. Oh, yeah, and he was hired. And every time Mike Adamley used to cut a promo and he would butcher something, I tried to find like Jeff a, Harvey. I would love. I was trying to find like a gallon of bleach just to chug because I didn't want to have to hear Mike Adamley talk. Would you cut your arm off? I would never cut my arm off. Let's be serious. But you, you'd kill yourself by drinking a gallon because it's less painful that way. Oh, okay, good. Because it was less painful to just kill myself than listen to Mike Adamley cut a promo. <laughs> But I do agree with you with what you said with Cesaro. It definitely was something that he threw a shot at the WWE because of the fact that he's like, oh, well, you guys don't think I could talk on the microphone. Kind of like the Shelton Benjamin type of situation where Shelton Benjamin was a very, very, very good in-ring performer, but he couldn't cut a promo to save his life. And I think that Cesaro should have been by now a WWE champion. 
Well, they dropped the ball with him when he, like, he came won. in was his mouthpiece. Right. Th- they had Cesaro, who was getting over, you know, doing the, the giant swing, but yet they all of a sudden had him with Paul Heyman, and you had Paul Heyman being a heel manager talking about Brock Lesnar as opposed to talking about Cesaro, how strong he was and the awesome crap that he could do. They had an opportunity there, and they fucked it up. Well, in Paul Heyman's defense, it's it wasn't either his fault. It's like, are you either going to talk about Ces- are you going to talk about Cesaro with his his Superman swing and all the other stuff that Cesaro does? Or are you going to talk about the man who is the one behind the one in twenty one and one, the man who conquered the Undertaker streak, the man who conquered C Nation, the man who is a beast? The only thing that would have made that make sense is if cesaro ended up having a match against the beast you know cesaro comes out one day and it's like why are you talking about brock lesnar i'm your guy i'm here every week i beat the crap out of people why are you talking about brock lesnar that was never brought up they had like an amicable split where he's like well I am going to go on my own. Why wasn't there a match between Cesaro and Lesnar? It would have been a new, fresh match with a guy who is not over. If he has a match with Brock and beats him or a very competitive match, guess what? The dude could get shot to the moon. I mean, think about when Roman Reigns went against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. A lot of people were crapping on it thinking that uh, Roman Reigns was being pushed too soon. He he wasn't quite ready for it. But the fact that he hung with Brock Lesnar kind of elevated him. And they didn't give Cesaro that same chance. And Cesaro has more years in the business. And I, I think overall is a better performer and could be better if given a shot. And I don't think he's given a bit been given a proper shot i love cesaro he's one of my favorite guys that they have in there now he's in that kevin owens Sami Zayn class for me i think all those guys are very talented as i just don't want him to be like a new version of dolph ziggler where they don't fully push him i agree with that i really do i think that they should give cesaro a chance like that i think with the the brand split it's going to be a lot easier because the competition on Monday Night Raw isn't going to be as uh, Well, I mean, you're not deep. going to be uh, searching for minutes. You're not going to be like, come on, just give me a minute uh, on the mic. They'll have a little bit more time because there's not going to be split time by having John Cena and Randy Orton and Brock Lesnar and all these guys who are already over you're not going to get have to give them minutes on Raw. You're not going to have to give them minutes on SmackDown. You're o- only devoted to one show or another. So It's going to be interesting to see what they do with the the brand split. Like, Are they going to bring back the second world championship? And if that's the case, you're going to give somebody like a Cesaro or a Kevin Owens or any of the other guys that we talked about, even an AJ Styles, a chance to win one of the major championships in the WWE because when they did the brand split 
a long time ago, they had the two championships. They had the World Heavyweight title mainly on SmackDown, and they had the WWE Championship mainly on Raw. So you had guys who had more of an opportunity to be a major champion in the WWE, even though the WWE was put on a pedestal that the WWE, uh, that the World Heavyweight Heavy. Championship wasn't at because the World Heavyweight Championship was the WCW title as opposed to the WWE title. And I think that with a guy like Cesaro, he could benefit from them bringing back a second championship because he can prove to everybody that he deserves a chance. And I think that he definitely deserves a chance. As long as they don't treat the second title as a joke because, you know, towards the end, whenever the World Heavyweight Championship was involved, I mean, you would sometime that that would be uh, the curtain jerker. It would be the opening match. Think about Edge and Alberto Del Rio and Edge's last match ever on WrestleMania. It was the curtain jerker. First match on the show. Why do you do that? As long as they keep that title as something that's important. You know, it doesn't need to be the main event of every, like, cross-brand show, whether it's uh, Survivor Series or SummerSlam or Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. But I would say one show, if they do bring back a second World Heavyweight title, one show is main evented by the World Heavyweight title. One show is main evented by the WWE world heavyweight championship so i think as long as they do that and they keep the respect up of that title that could be good i think it's interesting that you brought up the del rio and edge thing obviously edge's last match was something that was very was much more significant because of the fact that it was his last match for the world heavyweight title wrestlemania but i always think of wrestlemania 28 when the World Heavyweight Championship was the leadoff match and Daniel Bryan lost the World Heavyweight title to Sheamus in 18 seconds. That was what really sticks out to my mind because those two definitely could have put on a better show than they, they had the opportunity well, to. Well, they did it like a month later in that two out of three falls match, which was off the charts. And also the Sheamus versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 28 is one of my favorite matches in WrestleMania history. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll get into that in a, in a later show, and I've been saying that a lot during this podcast, but I just want to put it out there. I do agree with you. I think that they need to keep the titles at an even scenario, whereas the WWE title is just as important as the World Heavyweight title. They should treat the World Heavyweight title as the title that could and should main event specific well, and maybe they champ, every uh, other year. One year it's the world heavyweight title main eventing WrestleMania, and maybe another year it's the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Agreed. You, that again, making it seem like all right. You know what? One year SmackDown is the main event. One year Raw is the main event. That way, it feels like each of them is An equal importance. Uh, I'm really interested to see what uh, happens with the new announced teams now. They 
they have done away with the king, which I think is kind of long overdue. I love Lawler. I, I was kind of interested when Lawler started kind of going heelish lately in the last, like, year or so. But Lawler has just been tired and overplayed for a long time. I'm glad they shook up the announced teams. Well, it, it will definitely lead to a fresher presentation for both shows. I'm, I, I was surprised as heck that Corey Graves is now on Raw, but happy. Because Corey Graves on NXT has been gold. He He's a little bit heelish, but he has good insights. And again, I think we'll be a fresh voice and bring a much-needed change to that show. Same thing goes for SmackDown, though. So I have to say that with the Tuesday night SmackDown and the Monday night Raw, I love the fact that they did what they did with the broadcast teams, and that's just as important as the superstars and the women that are part of it. I think that the Raw team is going to be interesting. I'm not a huge fan of Byron Saxton. That's okay. I think Corey Graves is an incredible addition to the Monday Night Raw team. I think he's going to learn a lot from Michael Cole. I've hated Michael Cole for a very long time. I still hate Michael Cole. But I don't. I, I think he's a talented dude. There's oh. just a lot that's thrust out upon him, and I think Vince McMahon has a lot with what he says. Um, with Michael Cole. I'm going to say this. Yeah, he's been there for a long time. He's very talented. And the fact that he is as talented as he is and he says the things that he says, I still hate him. <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat one of my favorite, Honestly, one of my favorite moments ever is when Stone Cold beat the crap out of Michael Cole. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but years ago, there, there was a, a, a segment and Stone Cold, I mean, on Stone Cold's podcast, he talked about, he was like, yeah, I was laying it in and uh, laying it in pretty stiff. And Michael Cole, you know what? At the end of it, he didn't say squat about it. He took his beating like a man. And so I respect Michael Cole for his years in the business, for the fact that he respects the business. Because uh, he's think, been there for so long, too. And, and I think he, he, he still could be very good. I, again, I think a lot of it comes down to Vince McMahon talking in his ear, telling him what to say. So I, I think Michael Cole gets a little bit of a bad rap. That being said, he could be better. I will say this. When he had his whole coal miner thing where he was kind of locked up in his little cubicle thing and they had the anonymous raw general manager and every time that, that stupid uh, laptop went off because there was a new message from the anonymous raw general manager. That was, it was not hor It wasn't Hornswoggle. I I loved that. I hated Michael Cole, but I loved all of that. Even when Edge like lost his shit and he broke the laptop, which is still one of my favorite things to actually have seen on Monday Night Raw. It's in the class with like Stone Cold Steve Austin with the gun and Vince McMahon pissing his pants. It's not quite up to the beer truck. It's not up to the beer truck quality, but... Or the Zamboni. Or the Zamboni. Or even, like, The Undertaker trying to sacrifice Stephanie McMahon. But it's just one of those things, like, Edge just losing his mind. 
and I love Edge. I really do miss Edge. He's one of those guys that was on the roster recently. I mean, granted, he's been out of action. Semi-recently. Semi-recently. I miss Edge. They really haven't recovered from Edge retiring. SmackDown really hasn't been the same. He was the face of SmackDown, and as much as I preferred different versions of Edge, earlier versions of Edge, I understand that the dude was the standard bearer for SmackDown. So I see how Edge was important. I didn't love his last couple of years and his runs with uh, SmackDown, but that's all right. With the SmackDown team, David Otunga on the pre-shows and post-shows for Raw has been fine. I'm interested to see how he does being on on one of the main shows, being on SmackDown with uh, Mauro Ronaldo and JBL. And, like, this is probably an unpopular opinion. Right now, at this moment, I am not completely in love with Mauro Ronaldo. I love the fact that he gets really excited about the shows, about what's going on in the ring. His excitement level, honestly, for me, it, it, it kind of rivals JR, but also to an extent when I'm listening to him, it sounds a little forced. And again, I could be wrong with this, and I hope he wins me over, but there's one of those things where like, I just listen to him, and I'm like, I feel like somebody is trying to oversell me on something he sounds like a used car salesman and with that i also think that that's the reason why they put jbl on smackdown because jbl has been doing this for a very long time and jbl is very good at what he does as a play or as a color commentator so with them bringing up more over nalo as the play-by-play guy i think he can learn a lot from jbl i think that david otunga is a guy that could definitely help the show for SmackDown. And I think that Mauro Vinalo, over time, will get better. And the only way you're going to get better is if you just go out there and you talk and you just keep get, and you just keep going out there every single week and putting on a good show. I, and I think that he's really going to learn a lot from JBL. And I think that Michael Cole has been there long enough that even if Mauro Ronaldo even goes to Michael Cole, Michael Cole is not going to be the guy like, oh, well, fuck you. I don't think that I, I should help you and tell you what you should say or do. Just I hope you go out there and bottom out. Right. Well, and Michael Cole was one of the – he was the one who told WWE, hey, let's hire this guy. I, I think in the end uh, – it's going to screw Michael Cole because I do think Mauro Ronaldo, I think, will find his footing. I think he's going to not sound as forced. I think he's going to be good. But it comes with time. It, it does. I mean, he's only been a wrestling announcer for a short while. Um, so I, I think he'll end up being good, and I think he's going to replace Michael Cole and eventually Michael Cole is going to end up on SmackDown, be on the quote-unquote secondary show. But it should be uh, interesting going forward. Backing up a little bit to the draft, perhaps, perhaps, not a steal, but an interesting pick, second to last, Curtis Axel. 
Curtis Axel. He is still in the Royal Rumble from a couple of years ago. Never eliminated. It, it still boggles my mind. Why was Roman Reigns allowed to main event that WrestleMania? Curtis Axel was never thrown out, never defeated by Roman Reigns. Why on God's green earth was he not a part of a triple threat with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns? And on that note, I would like to say that today, July 23rd, 2016, our boy, Curtis Axel is still in the 2015 Royal Rumble. And I, I, I think on that note, I think this is a tremendous one. Tremendous. To close out this podcast. The first podcast of the fucking month.